Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By having any research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Carroll is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks. Happy holiday season to all of you, and thank you for coming back and joining me this week on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. And like the NFL, there is no offseason in golf anymore. The news cycle just keeps churning away. We've got the John Rahm news to live to continue to scratch our heads about why he signed to go over there when the proposed partnership or merger, whatever we want to call it, is still unresolved, still has a deadline of 1231, so we're 19 days shy of that. We're all still trying to figure that piece out. Why do that? Why go over there? It doesn't feel to me like this partnership is going to go through and they're hedging their bets. We're also trying to digest the golf ball rollback situation. That apparently is going to haunt us until October of 2027 because after that, none of us are going to be able to go buy the current golf ball that we have because at that point, it becomes non-conforming. So we're going to have to warehouse golf balls for a couple of years until they take it away from us in 2030. We just had the first mixed team event that we've seen in a couple of decades. The Grant Thornton tournament was this past weekend, won by Jason Day and Lydia Ko. Five players qualified for the PGA Tour champions for next season. Four of them are from Australia. So congratulations to medalist Cameron Percy, plus Michael Wright, Steve Allen, David Branson, and Shane Bursch. Tremendous play out of those guys. Congratulations also to Team USA for winning the inaugural World Champions Cup on the Champions Tour. Jerry Kelly led the way for us with 61 points. He teamed with Captain Jim Furyk, David Tom, Steve Stricker, Billy Andrade, and Justin Leonard to beat the international team that was led by Ernie Els. They beat them by two, beat Team Europe by 13. So maybe we need to get those guys in a room to help us figure out how to win a Ryder Cup because they obviously did such a great job. So kudos to all of those guys for bringing home that trophy. All right, on to tonight's show. This week, joining me will be our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, back one last time for this season because next week is going to be our last show of the season. We'll start up again on Tuesday, January 2nd to kick off 2024. Following TP, I'm going to be joined by two-time South Florida PGA Teacher of the Year, Tom Wildenhouse. From all my research, everybody has wonderful things to say about Tom Wildenhouse. So I'm very excited that I get to have him as part of this week's show. Following him will be LPGA Elite Instructor Nancy Corsolino. Nancy isn't just one of the LPGA's top 50 teachers in the game. She has earned elite status. That's how great of a teacher and a person she is. Looking forward to having her back on the show. She'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. And then we'll round things out this week with a visit from aspiring tour professional and Kentucky and Southeast Ohio trackman sales rep Andy Strother. Andy is good friends with uh, our good friend, Matthew Lawrence, and he's been on Matthew's show, Backspin Golf, a few times. So I'm looking forward to having 
Andrew as part of this week's show as well. So a lot of great stuff in store for you this week, folks. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me this week. Before we get started, our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, and I have been working with a company called Kickpoint, and they have done some magical things with our logos and create some polo shirts with some wonderful designs where they take our logos and turn them into designs on a polo shirt. They're absolutely outstanding. Kickpoint Golf is a private label custom golf apparel company making bespoke polo shirts, quarter zips, and hoodies for those selected clubs looking to take their branded game to a whole new level. If you want to check out their apparel, and again, it's going to knock your socks off, send an email to info at kickpointgolf.com. They'll get right back to you. There's no middleman. They're going to go right to the guys that do this work. You're going to check it out, and you are really going to love what they do. I'm going to start showing the uh, polo shirts that they designed for me on my Instagram, at CT Mascaro. Check them out there so you can get a sample of what they look like. These guys know where it's at. Now let's talk about golf getaways and buddies trip locations. When you're thinking about that, think about our friends over at the McLemore, which is a wonderful resort located just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee, high atop Lookout Mountain. It is a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the U.S. by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Keep, is under construction and will open summer of 2024. The Keep is a Bill Bergen Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled up with a golf hole. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both have incredible views into historic McLemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You got to see it to believe it, folks. Stay dine and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus black grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability with their fingerprint technology, creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel on your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back with me, just like he is every other week, is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tom is also the director of player development at the Twin Eagles Club in Naples, Florida. He is a 13-time Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher, a four-time PGA Teacher of the Year, three-time Golf Digest Best in the State, including in their current December 2023, January 2024 edition. And he is joining us for the last time in 2023. So I'm sure he's full of both jolly and something else tonight as he joins me here on Next on the T. Good evening, TP. Merry Christmas. How are you, my friend? <laughs> Merry Christmas, TP. How are you? Oh, 
ho, ho. <laughs> Sounds so sincere. Oh, come on now. Our last show of the season. Can you believe that? What show number is this? 89. We're ending the season on 89? We're, we are, we're ending it on 89. So, you know, I mean, I, I guess that's good because when we get together on January the 2nd for season number 11 of this show in the year of 2024, nice even number. We'll start on 90. Well, I, I need all those. You, you, know, you got to send me all those dates because I have a very bad memory. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I'm old, man. I'm old. Come on. I understand. I understand. All right. So a lot to get into this week, TP, because last week, man, I'm just fired up. I'm just telling you, I'm fired up. (laughs) Now we're going to start off with the good because last weekend I received the hard copy of the current edition of Golf Digest in the mail and, and in it are the new rankings for top teachers in each state. So like, like a kid on Christmas morning, couldn't wait to open it up and go right to the state of Florida. And there it is. Biggest day. Tom Patry, State of Florida, top instructor. So, congrats, my friend. Thanks, Chris. I mean, I think uh, anytime you're recognized, you know, in those kind of situations, whatever list it's on and whatever state it's in, um, you know, you're you're alongside a lot of really talented people. Um, I'm not a big list guy anymore because I think it's become a little bit too um, a little bit too much of a popularity contest and and not a real true indicator. There's a there's a Person, I got a, I got a shout out tonight. There's a young man in in Vero Beach, Florida, named Sal Spallone, who, in in my own opinion, just my own opinion, is probably as talented a teacher as we have in the state right now. Former former Corn Ferry player, uh, college golfer. I I worked with him a little bit when he was in high school, um, but the kid has really done his. And he's not a kid. I shouldn't say he's a kid. He's thirty something. He he's really done his homework. He he's really talented. He's a great communicator. He's a good player. And he's not on that list. Um, and again, in my opinion, there are probably 10 or 12 people on the list that I don't think can teach a dog to bark. So, <laughs> you know, when, when, you, when you have these lists, it's great marketing. I'm, I'm happy to be on it, but I don't, I don't put a whole lot of weight. I know who I am and what I do, and, and my students know who I am and what I do. And to have a guy like South Spoon not on that list in the state of Florida is, is, is criminal. It's criminal. So I'm not sure that I put a lot of weight on those things, but thank you for recognizing it. Thanks for shouting me out. I appreciate it. All right. So a lot has happened since you were last on the show a couple of weeks ago. A lot of huge deals. I'm fired up. I know you are. So let's start with the confusing news that John Rahm has signed on with Live Golf, something that he said he'd never do. He allegedly is going to get $600 how that breaks out. I don't know. That only leaves him a hundred million short of Shohei Atani. But I say that it's confusing, Tom, because I thought the PIF and the PGA Tour were still working on a proposed merger, partnership, whatever you want to call it. They had until the end of this month to do so. So we got several days left in the month, but here they are. They go out and they, and they get ROM and they give him all that money. So it, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you do that now? Why would you sign him now? Is that is that leverage? Is that, you know, hey, you better sign with us, or guess what? We just took Rom. We're going to take the rest of your players, too. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think, I think you're 100% correct. I think it's total leverage. I think that they they don't have a deal that, that anybody's happy with. I, I think that uh, they're at a stalemate. I think the DOG stepped in and put their big nose in there. Um, I think there's a lot of factors, Chris, but I mean, 
I don't think it gets done. I think we go into another season where it's you know, split camps. Um, the only thing the only thing they're able to accomplish was they got the court cases dropped, so nobody's getting sued or anything. But I think now it becomes more leverage. So if it's not in court anymore because they already agreed that somehow, some way, now it's like okay, let's go get you know four or five more of your players, and let's create a real imbalance as, as to where these players are playing. I think the PGA Tour is in a lot of trouble. Chris, I really do. I think they're, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner. <clears throat> and clearly, the Saudis are not going to run out of money anytime soon. <laughs> so they kind of keep on going and keep the heat on it. And it's, I think it's going to get very, very, very ugly, PGA Tour. So let's take that a step further, because I know the PGA Tour and their back pockets has the Fenway Sports Group waiting to to throw money into the PGA Tour. They've got some other larger collective investment group called the SGS, which includes not only Fenway Sports, but a lot of other team owners like Arthur Blank and Tom Ricketts of the Cubs, Steve Cohen of the Mets, just to name a few. So it seems like both sides are trying to show that they could go on without the other. But to your point a moment ago, it, the PAF has unlimited funds. I mean, they gave John Rahm $600 million, not even going to bat an eye. So there's six hundred million for somebody else and five hundred million for the next guy and four hundred million for the guy after that. I mean, at some point, to your point about the PGA tour being in trouble, I mean the PIF could buy every player and not think twice about it, spend billions on the players, and then you're gonna be left with Tom Patrick and Chris Mascaro fighting it out, you know, at the at the the fairly ridiculous open come February. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, I think you're 100% right. I mean, they're going to get to the point where they uh, <clears throat> they lever three or four more key players over to that side. And then I don't care what sports group you bring in or what sponsorship you bring in, but, you know, you are you're, you have an elevated event and you have uh, Christmas Carol and Tom Patrick as your two main attractions. You know, who's turning on the TV for that? And, you know, who's who wants to sponsor that? I mean, you saw it happen in Charlotte, North Carolina, right? I mean... Wells Fargo said thanks, but no thanks. Uh, is that is that the first domino? Um, and and more, do more follow? Do, do two things happen? Do more players go to live, and more sponsors go? You know what? Mm, I don't with the with the strength of field you're going to give me. Am I really interested in doing this any longer? I'm out. And and how many dominoes to, you know topple? It it could get really ugly. I mean, very ugly. Yeah, so that's the thing, right, Tom? Because, you know, bad news behind door number two for the PGA Tour, like you mentioned, is Wells Fargo announcing that they're no longer going to sponsor the tournament at Quail Hollow after this coming year. That tournament is one of the signature events, so that's one of those $20 million purses. I mean, it was $9 million in 2022. That was the purse for for the for the Wells Fargo event. It went up to $20 million this year. It's going to be $20 million again in 2024. To your point, that Wells Fargo says that's too rich for our blood. So we have Honda out in Florida. We have AT&T out at the Byron Nelson. Now, Wells Fargo out here. I mean, I just, I don't know. How can the, the PGA Tour continue to have $20 million events to try to keep up with the live payouts? I just can't imagine there are a whole lot of sponsors raising their hand to say whether it was $8 million or $9 million before for just a normal event. Now you're increasing that to $20 million for a signature event. I don't know, in, in, a, in a world that, uh, that we have now with inflation and everything else, there can't be a whole lot of people knocking on the door saying, yeah, here, charge me $20 million. And then on top of that, Chris, you have players demanding who are 
porta potties that are special for their wives on the golf course. They want, you know, ice baths you know, and different things provided in the locker rooms. They want different kind of dining and menus and food requests. I mean, are you are you biting the golden goose here or what? I mean, they want to get paid for the Ryder Cup and probably the <laughs> President's Cup. Well, we don't know that for sure, but that that's been rumored, right? So, it, it, I mean, there's so many things going on that are so bad in so many different fronts. I'm just telling you, we, you know, and then of course you have my favorite topic, Patrick Cantley. Ah, we were going to get into him. But my ahead. favorite topic, right? So now Patrick Cantley, by by rumor or by report, and I'm not I'm not sure which how you separate those things now, rumors or reports anymore. He doesn't think he needs the help of Ed and Jimmy Dunn anymore because he's the smartest guy in the room. So that's what I want to do. Instead of negotiating with Jimmy Dunn, one of the smartest Wall Street minds ever against the Saudis, I think just Patrick Cant- Cantley can handle that on his own. He doesn't need Jimmy Dunn's help. I mean, <laughs> what, is this is this guy like delusional or something? Did he, did he get hit? Did he get hit in the head by something? Is he is he falling down some stairs? What happened there? <laughs> I mean, the guy. Are you kidding me? What an absolute idiot! I mean, are you kidding? No, I, I don't want to sit down with the Saudis, Jimmy Dunn and Ed, two of the great business minds in the country. I, I can handle this myself. Just get them off the board. I don't really need them anymore. Really, Pat? Really? <laughs> Just sheer, sheer genius. Sheer genius. So to that end, with Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley kind of pushed to the side, I mean, there are 11, there are 11 seats now on the PGA Tour policy board. Six of them are held by players. I mean, the players don't want any sort of end arounds happening like happened earlier this year when they got caught off guard by by these negotiations going on between the PIF and the PGA Tour. So they already had a majority. Now, to your point, if you're going to take two guys that hey, look, everything I've read about Jimmy Dunn, and you certainly know him way better than I, but everything I've read about him is that players loved him. Now, now all of a sudden, and I don't know if it's a trust issue because Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley were sort of brokering these, these deals and sort of back channels. So now the players have a general distrust of Monahan, Hurley and Dunn. So they really are trying to push those guys aside. But, and again, I don't know anything about Patrick Cantley and his business acumen and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but you would think you would want some guys, I mean, players are players. And they go out there and they play and they do all that sort of thing. They have agents and, and lots of folks helping them with their business deals. I don't know anybody that's out there doing it for themselves. Maybe they are. Don't know. But you would think you would want somebody that you can trust out there helping you out. And if Jimmy Dunn is, to your point, one of the brightest minds out there and a guy that people really like, I don't know. Could trust have died that quickly? Because they just, hey, look, you guys went behind our backs. You did this thing. You're a part of what happened here. We blame you. We want all of you out. And now we're going to handle it on our own. Does this become a players-only tour? I don't think that's what happened myself. I think that Jay Monahan backed him into a corner. And Jimmy Dunn and Ed came in at the last second on the white horse trying to save him from just absolutely going down the tubes financially, you know, big time. Uh, and I think they orchestrated at least a a pause or a ceasefire to try to get things under control. So I think if Patrick Cantley's, you know, reading them as the guys that broke a secret deal, you know, these things can't go on in public. I mean, these things have to go on in boardrooms with doors closed with really bright people talking real, real, real strong common sense and trying to organize and fix the problem. 
I don't think Patrick Kennedy quite understands or grasps that concept. Um, so if there's a trust issue, and and I'll tell you right now, I, I, I've known Jimmy since I was I'm 11 years old. That's a long time. I know Jimmy has the player's best interest at heart. I know Jimmy's going to try to negotiate the most positive deal for the PGA Tour. I know Jimmy cares. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that he inherited a sinking ship. Thank you, Jay Monahan. Um, you know, I, I would want him in the room at all times, at all times. And, you know, I would take Patrick Hanley and put him out the pasture and come hit some wedge shots somewhere. <laughs> Bad news behind door number three for the PGA Tour. Oh, is, more. There's more coming. There's yeah, more. the USGA and the RNA, boy, they oh. dug their heels in. They're holding firm to rolling this golf ball back for elite players in 2028, for the rest of us in 2030. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? Yeah, well, they, they screwed up the squared groove thing. They screwed up the long putter thing. Now they're going to screw up the ball thing, right? I mean, you know, let's let's make golf easier for everybody. Let's take and make the average recreational player panic because instead of coming to Tom Patrick for a lesson and hoping he can give me 10 or 15 more yards for me to enjoy the game, <coughs> we're going to take 10 yards away from what you current have, currently have right now and back you up even more. They're really going to like that a lot, aren't they? Listen. This, 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 you know, it's un, it's unbelievable to me. Now, now they pushed it back to 2028. 20, we don't know where really what's happening, what, what the parameters are, what the real numbers are. I know that, I know that, you know, from my own standpoint with with companies that I'm involved with, nobody is very fond of the USGA right now from the manufacturing side. Um, they're always the smartest guy in the room, you know. Uh, it's just it's just ridiculous to me. <clears throat> Listen, if you if you push the ball back the way they're talking, instead of Rory hitting it three thirty, he's going to hit it three nineteen. It's not going to really matter much to Rory. And and whether it matters a lot or not to the average recreational player, their perception is, and this is what's really more important. Their perception is that it's going to hurt them. You've already taken the long putter away from them that they couldn't use very well anyway, but they were having fun with it. They, they're trying to hit the ball further and have fun with it, and I'm going to take that away from them too. What the hell are they thinking about? They have got their heads so far up their rear ends; it's not even funny. I mean, I just—I mean, I'm so anti-USGA and anti-RNA right now. I can't even tell you. So, if the PGA Tour and the PGA of America, if they hold fast and say, "Hell no, we're not going to go." And the USGA and RNA seem to have already dug their heels in on this, and that the ball is going to get rolled back. Who's going to pay for a ball rollback that's going to be used at USGA events and RNA sanctioned events? It's almost like the recreational golfer, the weekend warrior, people like me. We we got hit with the old one too. We're going to get the ball rolled back, so we're going to get less distance, and we're probably going to end up having to pay more for it because the the equipment manufacturers, the ball manufacturers. They're going to have to get somebody to pay for this. They're going to have to make another ball, potentially, or retool this new ball, which is going to make things different. So somewhere along the line, a price increase is going to get passed along. And we know the tour players don't pay for any of their equipment. So it's going to be us. It just, boy, this this feels like Mike Tyson just hit me with a left and a right. I, I, yeah, we, I don't know that, Chris, because I don't think anybody really knows his answers to say, again, <clears throat> they do all these things kind of half-assed and they go half-cocked and you know they haven't really thought this whole thing through so i don't know who's going to really pay i certainly know that 
a manufacturer I'm involved with is probably not going to manufacture the ball. Um, so that means they're going to have to find somebody to manufacture the ball and give them specifications. Uh, and then, you know, where are they going to distribute that ball and how are they going to sell it? Uh, and who are they going to sell it to exactly when, say, XYZ Club says, you know what, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not gonna, in our club events and our, in our, you know, our, our, our day-to-day club events with our membership, we're not going to do this. So where is it going to really happen? It's going to happen in state-sanctioned events from subsidiaries of the USGA, like, for example, the Florida State Golf Association. And if you're going to tell Tom Patry that in the Florida Senior Open, he's got to play a ball that's going to cause his um, driver to go 10 to 12 yards shorter, guess what? I'm not going to play that event. That's all. I'll play the Section PGA events, but I'm not going to play that event. So I, I don't know where this is going to shake out. I don't think we really know that yet because I don't think they've really thought this through as they often don't. Um, So who knows? Who knows where it's going to go? So can you see a world where at USGA events, at RNA sanctioned events, and maybe even at the Masters, because because Augusta National was saying that they were, you know, in in support of rolling this golf ball back. Could we have events like that, three of the four majors, where you play a specific golf ball that is, we, we don't buy them. They're not at PGA Tour Superstore. To your point, the, the company that you're working with, if they're not going to manufacture that golf ball, is somebody going to come along and manufacture a standard golf ball that at U.S. Open, at the Open Championship, and at the Masters, here, here's a vat of golf balls. Go pick yourself out two dozen, and away we go. Do I see it happening? Yeah. Yeah, I could see it happening. Do I think the players are going to? push back. I think they're going to probably push back pretty hard. Is it going to be continued to push back really hard? Is it going to become more divisive like everything else in this world is becoming more divisive? It could. And it could get really ugly. And then, I got one for you. Is Liv going to adopt it? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right? Is, is, so, is the PGA and Liv going to adopt it? Did they? And, that, and that's a no. Now you got players going to just four tournaments a year where it's adopted and they have to play a ball that spins differently, that, that flies differently, that, that doesn't peak the same way, that can't curve or control the same way, it puts differently. <laughs> what the hell? Real? Is that what we, is that what we want? Is that what that, that sounds like a good idea to everybody? That's great. That's, I think uh, let's have a party. No problem. <laughs> Golf Digest, uh, speaking of them earlier, E. Michael Johnson wrote an article that's saying the USGA and the RNA Maybe coming for the size of your driver head next to make sure that equipment fan- manufacturers don't make the club face even springier and even more forgiving in reaction to the golf ball getting rolled back. Now the article states that that monitoring of that is going to be for elite players. But what's to say that it doesn't happen for all of us? Because initially we were looking at bifurcation with a golf ball and now it's one golf ball for all that gets rolled back. What's to say that they don't come for driver heads and all of a sudden now that 460cc driver that we're all used to hitting becomes 430 or 400. And can you see it really kind of spiraling out of control that not only the golf ball, now now our equipment is going to get changed too? Yo, can I, see, can I see them trying to do that? 100%. Do I see it working? I think at some point the manufacturers, the PGA of America, the PGA Tour have to get together and say, you know what, guys, guess what? You, you you have a nice trip. I'm going to push the boat off, the USGA boat off into the ocean and say, see you later. We're going to come up with our own set of rules and, and our own way of doing things. And, I mean, yeah. 
I, I think it's time. I mean, I, I think I, I've said this for a long time, you know, whether it's the handicap system, whether it's the rules of golf, we're the people day to day, the PGA professional that deals with the recreational golfer in the trenches every single day. We're the one, we're the ones that have our finger on the pulse of what's going on in the game. The USJ is so disconnected from the day to day person and what they're feeling and going through in golf. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. So that's where I wanted to go to next, because as we were talking earlier about the players, maybe specifically Patrick Kentley, but the, the PGA Tour Policy Board taking control of the PGA Tour and forcing <clears throat> the business guys out. Could we see the PGA Tour forcing the USGA and the RNA out by doing what you just said? Hey, look, you want to try to enforce these things on us? We're not buying. The equipment manufacturers, they're not buying. So guess what? We're not going to pay attention to your rules anymore. We're going to set up our own set of rules and we're going to go on from here. Who's more qualified? Who's more qualified to write the rules of golf and, and to create regulation than the PGA of America with 29,000 members and the, the people that actually deal with the Christmas scarrows of the world day to day as they play the game? Who's more qualified to do that than them? Is, is the USJ with me day to day when people come take a lesson and have have complaints, complaints and concerns about their golf game? What's really going on in their golf world that the recreational player goes through? No, they, they don't have a clue about that. And, you know, I mean, I get I get this this era of political correctness. It's time to take the gloves off, man. It's just time to take the gloves off. And say, you know, what, guys, have a nice day. We'll, we'll catch you some of the time. Tom, just a couple more before I let you go. And since this is our last show of the year, we got Christmas coming up. What does little Tommy Patry hope Santa leaves him under the Christmas tree this year? You know what, Chris? Little Tommy Patry is um is pretty damn blessed. I mean, we just I just obviously started a new job that um is has been a job in this town that I've been I've been hunting for for twenty three years. The type of facility, the the quality of the facility, the quality of the membership, the quality of the practice facility. Two really good golf courses and a, and a really nice staff to work with. Um, uh, I got the I got the best wife on the planet. I'm sure you'll disagree with me. You got the best one, but um, we we just got a new puppy. We're pretty pumped about that. There you and, go. And and you know what, Tommy Patrick doesn't need doesn't need for anything right now. He's he's pretty he's pretty damn set and pretty damn happy and pretty blessed. So um, I'm just looking forward to show number ninety. I can't believe you put up with my nonsense. Um, <laughs> why, why would, I, can't, I, can't believe, I can't believe anybody even listens to us. It's, it's amazing. To me. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn lucky. I'm in a great section down here in the South Florida PGA. And, and uh, I, I, there's nothing that I really need or want. I just, you know, all we want is that our people around us that we really care about are, are healthy and, and, and we have their love and everything else is pretty good. You know, my next guest is Tom Wildenhouse. I know that, Oh. You've known Tom for a while. Everyone I've talked to says he's one of the nicest people that you'll meet on the planet. I don't quite get why he's hanging around you. He must lack the same level of judgment that I do. But you tell us about Tom. So Tom Wildenhouse is is a uh, if there's a model PGA professional, you've had you've had the other model. And if I had to pick a couple models out in my career that I've been blessed to know, I mean Bill Strasbaugh, one of them. John Kennedy at Westchester, who I work for, Bob Ford, who you've gotten to know through me very well, and Tom Wildenhouse. You, you took those four guys and what they embody in the game of golf and what they brought to the game of golf and 
and the care, uh, the, the gate, the great gatekeepers they are. Right? That's what I call PGA professionals. They're the gatekeepers. They're the ones that really kind of handle what goes on day to day facilities. Tom Wildenhouse is, is you know, in, is is in my estimation one of the top five golf professionals that I've ever met in my career. Uh, when I came to Naples, you know, and Tom might not even agree with this, but the Mets section has a persona where I came from that. Uh, a, a lot of different sections are jealous of the Mets section, not very fond of Mets section professionals. We, you know, typically are the best paid and play for the most money in the section and, you know, have the most access to certain things. And there's some resentment around the country against Mets professionals. I felt some of that when I came to Naples originally. Tom Wildenhouse reached out to me, welcomed me, made me feel welcome, and, and, has, and has continued to do that in the 23 years I've been in Naples. Nobody in this area, uh, you know, with exception, do I think are, is more qualified to be the national professional of the year? Um, he's just, he's a superstar in my world. Uh, and, and I'm pretty blessed to have him as a friend. I lean on him for advice at times. Um, he's a guy that if you call or text, he gets back to you right away. He never, he never leaves you hanging. Um, he's a guy I've really enjoyed knowing and, and I, and I feel Plus, he's a friend of mine. Tom, before I let you go, we, we need to give one other shout out. Some great friends that have done some great work for both of us with our logos and our our uh, our polo shirts. Talk about those guys. Yeah, I, I, I came in, came involved with a company called Kickpoint Golf. Chris, as you know, I introduced them to you. Um, they're, uh, they're out of a factory in El Salvador in South America. They're a, uh, a custom label branded company that does incredible work. Um, uh, I've introduced them to a bunch of professionals and, and they've been thrilled to do business with them. They do some really cool stuff in terms of art using your logo, your brand. Uh, they brand you. They don't brand themselves. Um, it's a really, it's a really cool thing. And everybody's in, anybody out there that's interested in, in hearing more about it, just email me. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed to be an, uh, a brand ambassador for them. And uh, I've really enjoyed my time with that company. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with you and find you on social media and on your website? Yeah, Chris, all the usual places, just TomPatry.com. Um, and certainly, you know, LinkedIn and, and uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. But more importantly, you can find me with you every other Tuesday night, my favorite place to be on, on every other Tuesday, because you do a hell of a job. People you have on, the quality of your guests and, and the care and concern you put into the game, Chris, and, and we're, we're all blessed to have you on, on, on air. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Tom, you're the best, my friend. All the best to, to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and Denise. Looking forward to catching up with you and having you back on the show as we kick off 2024. Thanks, Chris. Please give Wildy my best, will you? I absolutely will. Thanks, okay, Tom, we'll catch up soon. Yes, sir. That is the great Tom Patrick, folks. They don't come better than that guy. Give him a follow on social media at Tom Patrick Golf on Instagram. Like he said, you can also find him on LinkedIn. TomPatrick.com is his website. Be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. Get all those free playing lessons and tips right there online as well. And as I always say, Tom is just one of the best people you get to meet in this industry or any in any place, in any walk of life. I love that guy. He has uh, just meant so much to me over the years that we've been doing this show. Again, 89 times he's been a part of this show. He's been a part of the show in years now for eight of the 10 years that uh, this show has been on the air. He will certainly be a part of it every year going forward. 
I can't thank him enough for his contributions. I can't thank him enough for his friendship. And Kickpoint, go out there and check those folks out. And look, if you if you want more information, let me know. You can follow me on social media at CT Mascara. You can find me on Facebook. You can find Tom as well. You can send him an email through his website, tompatry.com. You can go to Chris at uh, nextonthet.net. Send me an email. The things that they did with the artwork for my logo and put on to so many wonderful polo shirts is, is outstanding. You can see it on my Instagram page as well. I put uh, some pictures of some of the great things that they did with my logo on there. Those guys are absolutely fantastic. You hear about them at the top of the show every week, but uh, we certainly wanted to give them another shout out. And thanks to Tom. We'll be uh, catching up with him in uh, in a few weeks. Joining me next is going to be two-time South Florida PGA Professional of the Year, Tom Wildenhouse. Before I get to Tom, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And... I need all the help I can get, and the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a, a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arcos and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arcos Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection. Sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T dot com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Now making his next on the tee debut with me is Tom Wildenhouse. Tom is the director of golf at one of the top courses in the state of Florida, Old Florida Golf Club. Tom has twice been named the South Florida PGA Professional of the Year, one of only two people to have won that award twice. It is the highest honor a PGA professional can receive. That award recognizes the professional for overall performance, level of service to the association, leadership, image, and ability to inspire professionals and promote the game of golf. Tom has been a member of the South Florida PGA section throughout his career, started off in the Southwest chapter in 1994 when he served as education chairperson. He went on to serve on the board of directors from 1997 to 2007. He also served on the PGA of America Public Relations Committee from 2010 to 2012 and served on the PGA of America Board of Control in 2019. Tom also won the South Florida PGA Horton Smith Award in 1996 and 1998, the Bill Strasbaugh Award in 2008, 
and was inducted into the South Florida PGA Hall of Fame in 2011. And I couldn't be more honored that I get to have him with me this week here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, it's really nice to be with you, especially following up TP. Um, he's a good man. He said an awful lot of nice things about me, but uh, uh, don't believe everything you hear. Uh, he's, he's, he got a little excited there. Um, and Chris, I would tell you, uh, I appreciate that intro. That's really, really nice. Um, and look forward to our conversation today. So I got to ask you, though, about, you know, TP having him on the show, because you and I were communicating prior to you coming on and you said you had listened to one of the episodes and saw that Tom was a regular. So, you know, what is a nice, well-respected man like you befriending <laughs> a guy like Tom Patrick? I mean, I have, I have judgment issues clearly, but you, <laughs> Chris, I can't tell you how many times I get asked that question. <laughs> Bet you do. Nah, seriously. <laughs> uh, TP's a good man, you know, right where you stand with him. Um, he's got one of the best eyes in golf as far as watching, you know, watching golf swings. I've taken a couple of, of my members to see him when, when, uh, I haven't been able to fix them. And Tom in, in 15, 20 minutes is able to get him on the right path. He's a good man. I, I respect him greatly for what he's done for the South Florida PGA Foundation. You know, he, he, he runs a, um, a fundraiser for us. Uh, every year and does a fantastic job helping us achieve our goals as far as the South Florida PGA Foundation goes. Tom, when you were named the South Florida Professional of the Year in 2022, I read that you had to sit on that news for a few weeks until the PGA <laughs> Merchandise Show. How hard is it to sit on that kind of news? Yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, so I get the call from Jim Richardson in December of December 3rd, 21. And he says, the good news is you win. The bad news is you can't say anything until the merchandise show, which is, as you know, late January. So, you know, it was really challenging. I was allowed to tell, you know, my immediate family, but and I was allowed to tell my staff and our board of directors, and we were allowed to share it with the membership, but they didn't want any major um, announcements being made. They didn't want uh, social media, newspaper, or any type of media stuff. So we did have to sit on it quite a bit. It was a challenge. Um, I think we did okay. I'm not 100% sure, but I think we did okay until the merchandise show when they made the official announcement. But it was, uh, it's, it was, it was quite a time. It was quite a time. Tom, you've given so much back to the game. Talk about the lives you've seen changed based on the things and the organizations you've been involved with. Oh, uh, wow. Chris, that's a, that's a big question. Um, first of all, I think my life has changed. Uh, greatly. I have gotten back so much more than I've given. And that's an, that's an honest statement. Um, I feel like my involvement with the chapter, the section, and now some of the stuff I'm doing at the national level um, has really been an accelerator for me as a professional. It's helped, it's allowed me to get better faster. Than I think I ordinarily would have, but through some of the stuff that I've done with the South Florida PGA foundation, I think, you know, once you build a home for habitat for humanity, which we, which we, which we do every year, um, once you build a home, you get to meet the family, you get to meet the kids. And as the house starts to shape, take shape and one of those kids, you know, pulls you into the house and shows you which room is going to be their room, you know, it's really, really touching. And you know, you're doing a really good thing for a family that's, that's really, really in, in need. Our Smiling for Life program at the foundation has, uh, is, is kind of the one that touches me the most. This is where we have PJ professionals that go into medical facilities. And our golf professionals, our PGA members are teaching them golf for one hour a week. 
these are some pretty sick kids. And to see them smile, to see them laugh, see them being a kid again, is really, really cool. But what's even better is when you get to see their parents watching their kids get to be a kid again while they're in the hospital. And that's really, really special. You know, we have junior golf, which falls under our umbrella at the foundation. It's just exploding. You know, golf is cool again, and uh, we can't find enough golf courses to get all these these junior kids playing golf. And it's really great to see the talent that's emerging. And I think golf's in a great place when it comes time to young people coming up through the ranks. Our scholarship stuff that we do is really super. We, we had a young man out of Bell Glade this year that won our scholarship. It's a, it's a $20,000 scholarship, and this young man is just absolutely outstanding. And We look forward to following him through four years of college, and we know we've helped change his life. And then finally, of course, the program that I know most of your listeners and yourself are, are very familiar with is PJ Hope, which stands for Helping Our Patriots Everywhere. That program doesn't only change lives, Chris, it saves lives. And I've had a number of conversations myself with either a participant or, or the spouse of a participant in that program that has told me so. This, this, this program has changed the life of my, of my spouse. So with all we've done inside the PGA of America, or excuse me, South Florida PGA Foundation, um, I, I've been witness to a lot of lives being changed. And that's exactly what this foundation was designed to do was to change life, change, change lives through the game of golf. It's the charitable arm of the South Florida PGA. I couldn't be more proud of, of what the men and women that help serve that foundation do on a weekly basis uh, to support our community. Tom, the South Florida PGA section is near and dear to my heart. Jeff Lofsted joined me earlier this year. I got to spend some time with him and Meredith Schuler and Tom Patriot at a dinner that TP invited me at to be a part of last year at the PGA Merchandise Show. But talk about the people you've had a chance to work with and get to know over the years in the South Florida section. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big one for me, Chris. I, I value the South Florida PGA in a big way. Our former, our former executive director, Kevin Maroney, was a really big inspiration for me. He was a really good man when I was coming up and just, you know, I was the education chair and then I got elected as an officer and he really helped guide and shape me. And then and then we had the great fortune of hiring Jeff Lofsted, who is just an outstanding person, um, a better person probably than he is an executive director. I just have the utmost respect for him and how he manages his team. And Meredith Schuler, as I continue to tell her, is the hardest working woman in golf. I don't know how her and her husband get her done because her husband's in the golf business. He's a PGA member and they got, you know, both the kids that are they're very, very active, but they're really great. I've, I've had a number of people in my career at this section that just helped push me up and make me look better than I really am. And uh, I, I can't say enough good things about them. They do a fantastic job representing the PJ members. When I was doing the research on Old Florida, I saw that one of the members there is Mike Ditka. We <laughs> partnered with his organization, the Gridiron Great, for years over on our football side on our show <clears throat> Thursday night tailgate and got to Spent some time with Coach once prior to their Hall of Fame inductions. Coach is a tough guy, has high expectations. What is what is it like trying to satisfy him as a club member? <laughs> yeah, Coach is great. I mean, uh, everybody seems to know that he's one of our founding members in Old Florida. We've we've truly enjoyed having him around. He was a really big part of our, it, you know, very very instrumental in our early days as we were coming out of the ground in 1993 or in '94. Um, with his name associated with the club, it really helped uh, bring us along. People wanted to see 
coaches club, if you will. Um, and then once they got there, the place sold itself. So coach has been very, very instrumental in development of old Florida golf club. Um, yeah, he's got, he's got, uh, he's got high demands. I mean, a guy that grows up in an era of football where the clothesline is an acceptable form of a tackle, you got to know he's going to be tough. Um, and, but that's okay. You know, high standards are good and he backs it up and he always was, uh, in favor of giving us the resources to make sure things could be done at a high level. So great deal of respect for coach and wishing the best. And um, it's a joy to have him around. Tommy, you've achieved so much over the course of your career. And as TP always says, none of us gets anywhere on our own. You've mentioned some of the people that uh, have helped you along the way. But as you were coming up in your career, who are the folks that were influential, the mentors that helped you get to where you're at now? You know, Chris, as I've told, um, I've, I've got to tell my story over the last uh well, the last couple of years, I, I've got to tell my story. And really, because I didn't know what a mentor was when I was really coming up. So I would watch people from afar. Um, and I would say, okay, this person seems to be successful. I'm going to do what they do. And if I see something bad, I say, okay, write that down. I'm not going to do that stuff. Um, you know, and so I've, I've had a number of people that I've, I've really looked up to. And the gentleman that ended up hiring me at Old Florida, Lynn Josephson, has played a big role in my life. Um, people like John Carroll, um, who was a PJ member here in the area, guys like Jeff Ramer is a PJ member in this area. Um, Mike Arthur, uh, he's in the Carolinas now. Uh, there's just so many, Chris, that have pushed me up and and, and, and made me really, um, really where I am today. And you know, I I, I can't leave out my wife as well. And and. She was a really big influence in the early days. Um, I don't know how deep you went on this research, Chris, but to say I had a little trouble getting my PGA membership could be an understatement. Uh, I had I had quite a time, and Tracy was always there. She was she was always helping me try to get through the testing. She was she even developed some flashcards at one point to uh, to quiz me after I got home from work, and she was always there to to help me get that membership. And once I did, she was the catalyst behind. Um, getting me involved in the PGA. Every time I said, Hey, I think I'd like to try this. She was right there telling me that I could do it and I should try it. And, um, so, so I can't leave her out of the equation. I think without, without her support and without her pushing, you know, I don't, I don't think any of this happens. I saw a comment that you made about the great Bob Vokey on social media, calling him the best. And we all know the Vokey wedges <laughs> and the things that he does over there at Titleist. Have you gotten an opportunity to spend some time with Bob over the years? Yeah, fortunately I have. I can't say that Bob and I are close or anything like that, but I've, you know, when the groove issue was going on a few years back, I happened to be out at the test facility and participate in testing with folk. And, and, um, I got to tell you, of, of the people that I've met in and around the industry, there's only a few people that, you know, really, um, you can, you can really see passion, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that are really, really good at what they do. They are really excited about it. Voke has just got this passion for making the best wedges on the market. And and I, I've I've been fortunate to be with the efficient company Titleist Switchway for all these years, and, and and to get to know Voke and watch it, what he's done um, has been really really cool. Um, and it's been a while since I've actually talked with him, so I'm looking forward maybe to the merchandise show to to reconnect with Voke and 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 to make sure I thank him for everything he's done for me and and for for golf. Among the many great accomplishments that Brooks Kepka has had is he is a South Florida PGA junior tour alumni. Did you get to see Brooks as he was growing up in the game in the South Florida section? 
No, I didn't, unfortunately. No, I wish I had. I know his brother played a bit with us as well. But I think Brooks's talents, um, you know, were just a step above. I think he participated in some higher level events. If I'm not mistaken, he did some AJGA stuff. But he did he did come through our program in his, in his younger days. And uh, uh, we were thrilled to have him. We're thrilled to see all the success that he's had. A lot of great players have actually come through the South Florida yeah. section. Who are some of the other great players that you did get an opportunity to see? So I remember seeing Lexi um, in the early days. Uh, um, and I think I'm, I'm missing a name. I'm, I'm forgetting a name right now. But I did see a couple of the players come up. My real involvement, um, my intimate involvement with the junior stuff would have started probably uh, 10 or 12 years ago. And some of the real players that came through um, came through prior to my um, really getting involved. A gentleman by the name of Don Law, who you may have met through South Florida PGA, outstanding instructor, and was really was really the godfather to the to the the junior tour in the South Florida PGA. He would have been the one that saw a lot of these really good young players. But who knows? We we could have a we could have a player or two out there right now whose name we're going to need to remember because uh, there's a lot of talent out there. Tom, we have so much technology in our game now. I'll be talking to Andy Struther of Trackman Golf a little bit later on in the show. I've had Hal Sutton on the show many times, and he's talked about how in his day you had to dig it out of the dirt. When you're looking at your own game or those of your students, do you rely mostly on data, or are you a dig it out of the dirt guy? Yeah, I've always loved that saying, Chris. I, I'm a dig it out of the dirt guy, and I, I'll warn anybody that wants to come see me that I'm an old school guy, and I kind of I kind of start at the feet and I work my way up. Um, that's just the way I was taught to to evaluate the golf swing, and I still do it today. I'll rely a little bit on video. It's it's not a great deal. There's there's not a whole lot of pizzazz to it. It it can be taken on my iPhone, and I'll share it with them with a line or two on there. But I I don't I don't rely on technology to help me get through the lesson. Um, if necessary, and, and I'm struggling with somebody, I might get out the track man and look at some numbers and watch launch conditions and spin rates and all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't rely on the technology. Um, and to that end, I, I really don't teach all that much anymore. Um, you know, my role, my title is director of golf. But my role is more of that of a GM. I've held on to four or five students uh, from our early days at the club. And I really enjoy teaching. I love to see them get better and have some great rounds. But uh, I, I'm an old school guy. I start with the footwork and work my way up to the arms and hands. And speaking of the club, Old Florida Golf Club was designed by another great friend of this show, Reese Jones. Talk about the golf yeah. course that you have. Yeah, you know, it's really great. I think Reese designed something that our founding members, we had 21 of them, we opened in 1993. I think Reese designed exactly what they were looking for. They wanted a place where people could really enjoy themselves, but there was a test there. Um, and, and we have plenty of holes where it's, you know, might, might be a demanding driving hole, especially once you get to like 14, 15, and 16 on the back nine. Number two, really, really good driving hole. You know, but the greens complex is what really kind of sets us apart. Um, it's I wouldn't necessarily call it a second shot golf course, but um, that's where you're going to have to do your real work. You're going to have to you're going to have to get the right distances to get to those whole locations that Reese has built. And I think it's something you can play a lot of golf on it. Have a really good time. I've played with a number of people, all different skill levels, and they all seem to find a way to have a really good time on the golf course. So when you're looking at a course that the membership's going to play week in and week out, I think Reese has really designed something. And he's been a partner of ours over the course of the 30 years that we've been open. We call on his 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 team of people to come in anytime that we're going to make any type of changes or, or we're thinking about making a change. We call them in first. 
and and we we go through the process with Reese and Greg Muirhead and and, uh, and make sure we get their blessing before we we move any farther. Tom, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with you and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Well, Chris, I'm not I'm not as good at that stuff as as Tom Patry is. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Tom Wildenhouse PGA, uh, or you can just just shoot me an email, twildy one at comcast.net, and um, I'm happy to talk to anybody about golf. I do appreciate the opportunity to be with you tonight. Thanks, Chris. Tom, it's been great having you as part of the show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. I hope we get this privilege again soon. I would look forward to that, Chris. Thank you. Hope, hope you, you and your family have great holidays as well. Take care, Tom. All the best to you, and I will catch up soon. Thank you, sir. See you, Tom. That is Tom Wildenhaus. W-I-L-D-E-N-H-A-U-S is the spelling of his last name, and he's down there, like I said, at Old Florida. Tom is just one of the great people. When I was doing the research and reaching out to, you know, a few people that I know in, in the section down there in South Florida and around our industry, um, everybody saying high praises of Tom and, and what a wonderful individual he is. And like I said in the intro and, and, and Tom Patrick prior to this, just one of the great people that you're ever going to get to meet just in general. And I think they came through in the conversation. He's a, a wonderful man doing great things and always accessible. And look, he is involved in so many wonderful organizations off the golf course trying to help improve people's lives that have nothing to do with the game of golf. And I think that speaks volumes to to who Tom is. He's going to be there to help the membership at Old Florida. He's, like you he said, he, he's kept a couple of people from an uh, instructional perspective, but he's doing great things within the PGA section there in South Florida helping people not only in that section, but others as well, and then doing great things for individuals in that part of the country. And that tells you everything you need to know about who Tom Wilton House is. So very privileged to have him as part of the show. The section is privileged to have him part of the South Florida section. And like I say, I, I certainly hope we get the privilege of having him back on the show again very, very soon. Coming up next is going to be one of the all-time great teachers in the history of our game, a lady who has achieved elite status out on the LPGA, and that is Nancy Corsolino. Before I get to Nancy, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarran, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NXTONTEE20, so next on T20, to save 20% at checkout. So go to 2under.com, that's a number 2UNDR.com, 2under, performance in your pants. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Now back and next on the tee with me is one of the most decorated instructors in our game, and that is Nancy Corsolino. Nancy played her college golf at Western Kentucky University, where she became a member of the school's first women's golf team. After she graduated, she moved on to Florida State University, where she earned her Master of Science degree, 
And a few years ago, she was inducted into the FSU Hall of Distinguished Alumni. In 1986, she was elected as the first female Class A PGA professional in the state of Tennessee. In 2019, she was awarded the LPGA L. Griffin Rolex Award for her contributions to teaching the game. In 2020, she was the recipient of the Tennessee PGA Distinguished Career Award. She's a three-time Tennessee PGA Teacher of the Year. She's annually one of Golf Magazine's Top 100 Teachers. She was the 2000 LPGA National Teacher of the Year. And every year, the LPGA comes out with their Top 50 Teachers of the Year. And for the last few years, Nancy has not only been on that list, she has been named to the elite level, the best of the best. She's also a member of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Hall of Fame, and I am extremely honored. I get to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Nancy, how are you, my friend? Oh, Chris, I'm having a life that you wouldn't believe. It's awesome. Thank you. Good Thank for you. So, Nancy, elite status among the top LPGA instructors. I know that's not new to you. That happened a couple of years ago, and it just can, continues to roll over year over year, but a tremendous recognition to you for all the great things that you have done in our game. Well, thank you very much. I'm very honored uh, to have been elevated to that level. But, you know, it's every day teaching just the person that stands in front of me and helping their game. And they're the ones that help elevate me. So it's a a real honor to be here with you and, and to talk golf and and to enjoy doing and teaching every day something that I love. Nancy, it's been a great year for women's golf. Prize money was up this year. It's going up even further in 2024. The LPGA held its majors on some of the great iconic courses in our game. Lexi Thompson goes out and plays in a PGA Tour event. We just had the Grant Thornton mixed team event, something we haven't seen out there in a couple of decades. How do you feel about what you're seeing with the growth of the women's game? Well, I think that it's it's finally uh, starting to elevate in the eyes of the consumer, of the eyes of the people that are watching the tournaments. You know, ever since I was uh, a young uh, golfer and my mother would watch golf on TV, she always watched the PGA. She said, I, I don't care about the LPGA. I said, Mom, you got to care about that because that's who I am. And, uh, and if I don't get eyeballs, if we don't get eyeballs on the LPGA tour, there's no way that we can elevate that, uh, tour in that level. So I think that it's just absolutely incredible what, uh, what's happened with our uh, tour and, uh, what's happened with our professionals and, and, and starting to get this to where people are really wanting to watch and wanting to see. So. I love the team events. I think that's really incredible. That helps put us side by side to some of the best golfers and, uh, and the LPGA, you know, that you just can't beat watching these women hit it as far as they hit it and play as well as they play. So, you know, the one thing that I miss here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm from is we used to have an LPGA event and I used to be. Uh, a director of golf at Hermitage Golf Course. And the first year we were open, we signed a contract with the LPGA for the Sara Lee Classic. And so we miss having uh, that LPGA presence in Nashville. But people still to this day uh, remember 
the Sara Lee, remember the Electrolux and remember the Franklin American Mortgage Championship. That was, you know, Nashville is so uh, infiltrated with their, with a lot of the professional events, you know, in the Tennessee Titans, what a game, uh, you know, that, you know, we don't, we may not have played well all year, but we played well last night, which was on Monday night football, which is incredible. And being Florida State, oh my gosh, you know, I could talk for days about how Florida State didn't get, didn't get in. Oh my gosh. But nonetheless, Nashville is such a great history of sports. Uh, you know, and even at the facility that I'm at right now at Gaylord Springs, we had the champions tour event there, uh, called the Bell South Classic. So Nashville is, uh, uh, is a special place for sports and has a special heart for the LPGA. So I want to go back to the Sarah Lee that you mentioned a minute ago. I mean, yeah. so many of the legends in the LPGA and in our game won there. Patty Rizzo won the first year. I mean, Nancy Lopez won there. Meg Mallon won there. Laura Davies won there. So many great players on the LPGA Tour were a part of that event. It seems sad that it's not there anymore. Oh, I totally agree. It was such a great, great event. And those names that you, that you mentioned. And I mean, I was there watching them. And I still to this day are friends with many, many of those women. And, uh, and it's just, uh, to see that go away. But what we have to do is we have to remember the legends. We have to remember those people that, uh, that brought us and elevated us all to this. And so it's just a, you know, it really is a fun thing when you can go, I can go to the PGA show in January and know that Nancy Lopez is going to walk right up to me and give me a big hug. And I'm going to see Michelle McGann and I'm going to see these people all the time that, uh, that knew uh, when they came to Nashville, that it was a special place. Nancy, you mentioned team events and team competitions aren't going well for us. On the U.S. side, I mean, the men can't seem to figure out how to consistently be competitive in the Ryder Cup anymore. And Europe has effectively won five of the last seven Solheim Cups since the matches were tied this year. They get to keep the cup. What do we got to do? How do we get better at this thing? Yeah, you know, I, I think that part of part of what happens is that we are such an individual sport in many of the things that we do with golf. And the, and the Europeans and, and, and they just tend to really, uh, get close. Okay. And, and not physically close. I mean, they're, they're, they're spread out like we are, but they tend to really like that. Now, I think that we need to, uh, we do need to get better at this. I mean, we, we really do, but I think that week in, week out, it's always you against me, you against me, and it's never a team. And, the more things that we could play like that, and I think that, uh, you know, when we have the uh, the LPGA Girls Golf Club and you have the PGA, go uh, you know, the junior leagues and things like that, and you're getting these kids in to a, a junior thinking and teams and even college teams. I mean, it college teams are there. That was great. And I was when I was coaching at Western Kentucky and Florida State. You know, it was still, yes, we were a team, but they were very much individuals. So, 
I really think that we have to kind of change our mindsets with how we're going to go about this and how we're going to get uh, creative and, and win again. I, I just think that it's a, it's hard. And, uh, and I think it's a chemistry. And I think uh, that we have to develop that chemistry early. Nancy, speaking of when you were coaching in, in the state of Kentucky, we recently lost Betty Lou Evans. She was you the sure head coach did. of the women's golf team there at the University of Kentucky for over two decades. I know, like I say, not only were you coaching in Kentucky, but you're from Greenville, Kentucky. Talk about who Betty Lou was. Betty Lou, uh, well, here's interesting. The coach, well, I, I started coaching at, uh, um, uh, I started coaching first in, at Florida State for two years and in 77 to 79 and then uh, moved back to Kentucky. And so when I moved into there, the mentors that I had were these coaches. These coaches were absolutely incredible at, uh, when we would go to tournaments and we would play and we would be coaching that, uh, that we were, we were a team. Now we, you know, we were playing against them, but I was a young coach and Betty Lou and Carol Johnson and Casey Johnstone and all these uh, all these people that were my mentors in coaching and Betty Lou was one of them. She would have us if when she hosted the tournament there at University of Kentucky, we would go to her house and we would, uh, we would have dinner and, 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 you know, to be able to, to this day, um, I talked to Betty Lou just recently last year when I was down at PGA golf club when I was teaching, one of my students knows her. And uh, so they connected, realized that we knew each other, and then we connected as well. And so uh, back, connected back. So knowing that we still have that connection, even after all those years of not coaching. And so when you're coaching, uh, it's a special family, you know, because it is, it is special. You're taking those kids to tournaments and playing against these teams, and that's a team competition. And Betty Lou was, uh, you know, there's a reason why she was the matriarch there at University of Kentucky. Just a wonderful lady. Nancy, like you, I'm blessed to say that many of your peers, so many of the great teachers in our game, particularly on the LPGA side, have become wonderful friends of this show. I saw a picture of you on social media with Dr. Allison Kurt, she has come to mean a great deal to me over the years that she has been joining me. Talk about your interactions with Allison. Well, so first of all, um, we met when there was a reunion at Florida State University of Players and Teams and Coaches. And I'm not even listed as a coach from back there. I was an, a, I was an assistant and then I was a interim coach until they could find someone. And so I was, helping that team. But, and so, you know, uh, the, they wanted me to come in and be there full time, but I needed to go back. So I met Dr. Kurt there at that reunion. And so then I knew she was an LPGA member and, and a PGA, both of us. And so uh, now Dr. Kurt and I, right now, we just finished up in the LPGA. We both teach level two 
education of the LPGA. So we're or there's three levels that the LPGA goes through to get to Class A membership, and and Dr. Kurt and I are level two teachers, and we teach this class together. And so starting back in January, we'll be with each other uh, for 16 weeks again, once once a week. And so we get to learn from one another. She gets to hear all my stories of because we're just a little bit apart from age, uh, but she gets to hear my stories and I get to I get to pick her brain uh, from uh, what kind of because uh, she's a fabulous golfer, a great teacher. And uh, I've actually actually also uh, give her some short game help from time to time. Nancy, switching gears a little bit. Minji Lee and her brother Min Woo Lee might be my two favorite players on on both tours right now. They are so much fun to watch and follow on social media. Minji Lee is such a great ball striker and more accurate at every distance than any of the guys on the PGA Tour. And if Min Woo Lee can break through and win a major in 2024, they may be the best sibling combo ever. Talk about Minji Lee and her game. Wow. And, you know, I have to tell you, it is so, so much fun to watch and to listen to the interaction between the two of them, uh, you know, uh, with support. And they're such great team. And, uh, and really for me to watch and to watch it to, for you to be exactly that. Uh, I call, I teach a lot with golf about, uh, uh, well, I get it from James Seekman's splash zones. You know, when you're sitting there watching, uh, you know, and Andrew talk about that with, uh, with Trackman too, but with, to be able to understand, you know, that you can miss a target and how close you can miss it. I mean, she's crazy good, crazy accurate. And, uh, I think that just goes to show, uh, how good Technology is helping these people. I've never seen people hit it straighter on all the tours. You know, used to, you'd see these big curvatures and, and the left to rights and right to lefts. And now you're seeing just some great, great accuracy. And you know, when, when you've got a female player like Minji, when she's, when she's playing at that level, uh, it's just hard to beat. And so it's just really, really fun to watch somebody go after targets, hit their targets, get it, you know, get it as close as they do and play as well as they do. It's just, uh, I think we're really seeing some special golf. Nancy, I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you before I let you go. And you have a tip for how we can fix our slice with a lower body adjustment. What adjustment do we need to make so we can hit it straighter? Oh my. Uh, well, uh, if I'm going to uh, today helping someone today hit it straighter and here they are making a big sweeping uh, draw and they want to hit it, uh, they want to hit it straight. First thing we've got to do is we've got to get that face of that club matching their body. So a lot of times I will move their feet in, their toes in or their toes out. If I move them in, then I'm going to move the body more to the, the weight to the toes to get that club moving into a different path. If I move the lead foot out a little bit, 
and turn it out, then I'm going to be rotational and spin that body through. And which is interesting because now I'm talking body and not club face. But if I, if, if, you know, a lot of the pros don't change their grip to change their path and to change, not their path, but to change their curve. So I, I hate going to somebody's grip and changing it right off the bat, but I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not afraid to change just one of the hand positions to change the curve and then to help the path. I'm not afraid to go low and, uh, and, and do what Tom was saying, you know, look, look at it from the feet up. And, and I learn a lot from Terry Hashimoto and body track and, and really how the feet move and, and how they do. So. Really, I'm a little, little, I go to the grip when I have to, but yeah, I'm going to try to work and try to get people to understand how their, how their body does. And yes, I use all the technology and use the cameras and the flight scopes and the body tracks and everything to help whatever I need to do to help somebody. So yeah, it's usually... Usually for, you know, a lot of the women that I teach, they want more distance. And boy, I'm going to go after this this next year and say, come on, let's get the distance. Let's get as much as we can. And I'll teach you how to straighten it out later. You have a drill that lets us know, speaking about flaring out our toes and our feet. Talk about how do we know how much that we need to flare those toes in or out? Yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll put uh, two... I'll put two alignment sticks down on the ground, uh, just at a 90 degree diagonal. I'll put my feet in the middle of them and then I'll take a club. I'll bend over. I'll take the club across my thighs and I'll keep the club on my thighs as I turn. And when I do that, uh, if I need more physical hip turn, uh, then I will flare the, uh, back foot out. If, if those toes, if that club doesn't match the club on the ground and then I'll do the same thing. I'll keep the club across my thighs, turn to the lead side. And again, if I can't match the club that's on my thigh to the club on the ground, then I'm going to flare my feet. So I have that, uh, I, you know, I steal that from a lot of different people, but I do that drill a lot to help people get more turn and and everybody thinks they just square one foot and open the other one so both my feet are open to help me turn through turn back and turn through so that's a great way uh to see that uh physically see it when you put the two clubs on the ground put the club across your thigh and you can physically see whether they match Nancy, as you know one of my partners here on the show is Zexio you've been working with them for several years Remind our listeners why you partner with them. Well, I I am at the age that I lost distance. And um, and so I needed to have uh, a club that I felt like I could uh, hit farther and that I didn't have to work so hard at trying to get distance. And so Zexio making uh, the club that they made as light as they made the club, I partnered with them. Uh, to help my game. And so what, and, when, and then I delve into how they put those, how much that grip weighs. Or when you take a grip off of a Zexio club and you see that really thin line of tape and not that big strip of 
tape that we put on for regular gripping clubs and know that each component of that club dictates how much, uh, how much weight it is. And so when they taught me swing weight, uh, you know, was one thing, but overall weight was something else to realize that you could make a club lighter, but have it a D1 swing weight. You didn't have to make a club lighter and have a C0 swing weight. Kind of hardly determinable trying to figure out what the hand, what's in the, in your hand. So they made a club that felt like you could swing it, but was light enough to get, get, to get distance and to get speed. So the international flex code, which I had to learn, which is what they, it's not R flexes and stiff flexes, but that, uh, you know, three, two, two, one, that international four digit code that tells you where the club flexes at each part of the shaft really makes a difference for a lot of my students. So I, uh, I partnered with them and, but I do club fitting with, uh, Ping and Callaway and TaylorMade and Titleist and Mizuno. Uh, but, uh, Zexio is who I'm the big Nancy, before I let you go, let our listeners know about your golf school and how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's on your website or it's on social media. Ah, Chris, thank you very much. My website, my last name starts with the letter Q, QSOG.com, which is the Corsolino School of Golf. And uh, on social, it's either Nancy Corsolino School of Golf or it's Nancy Q or it's Q school. I did that a long time ago when before they couldn't find me on uh, internet, I did Q school. So a lot of times you can look me up as Q school, Nancy Porcelino, uh, QSOG, uh, but you can find me if you just put my name into all the social and love to connect with you. But uh, QSOG.com, my website, uh, you can get all my information from that. And uh, thank you very much. I'm at Gaylord Springs Golf Links in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, which is uh, which has just been a great partner for our school for the last eight years. Well, Nancy, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of this show. You're always such a treat. You make this segment so much fun to be a part of. I hope we get this privilege again soon. I will look forward, Chris. Thank you and all the listeners. I hope you have great holidays. Merry Christmas. And enjoy time with your family. Indeed. Merry Christmas, Nancy. Happy holidays to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you. See you, Nancy. That is the great Nancy Corsolino, folks. There's a reason why she's in Hall of Fames and an, and an elite teacher on the LPGA side. She is just a wonderful individual, a great teacher. She really gets all aspects of the game, from the data to the digging it out of the dirt, to old school, to new school. Everything about what Nancy does is absolutely top of the line. And on top of that, she's just a great individual, as you could hear through the course of the conversation. QSOG.com is where you can find the website. Nancy Corsolino, again, Q-U-A-R-C-E-L-I-N-O is the spelling of her last name. You can give her a follow on Twitter, at QSchool. And uh, like I say, when you when you think about her Resume, 2000 LPGA National Teacher of the Year, LPGA Elite Instructor, 
a member of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Hall of Fame. They don't come any better than that, folks. So go out there and, and check her out because on YouTube, she's got some wonderful videos for some playing lessons that you can get out there for free as well. And if you're anywhere near Nashville, go to the Gaylord Hotel, go to the golf course, and uh, see if you can't get on her uh, her sheet to, to get an, a lesson from her. Just a wonderful individual. Blessed to have her as part of the show now four times. And I promise you, I'm looking forward to number five. And hopefully, I get to run into her at the PGA Merchandise Show in January. I'll absolutely be trying to make that happen. Coming up next is Andrew Struther. Andrew is out there grinding away, trying to make it out on the PGA Tour. He's also doing some work with TrackMan Golf. Before I get to Andrew, and folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at Squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z dot com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. Okay, now making his next on-the-tee debut with me is Andrew Struther. Andrew is a sales rep for TrackMan Golf for the Kentucky and Southern Ohio areas. He played high school golf, but not in college. He attended the University of Kentucky, where he triple majored in finance, marketing, and communications. The early part of his career started with him owning his own Allstate insurance agency and then becoming a caregiver for two wonderful young autistic boys. And then he decided to give his dream to be a tour pro a go. He competed in long drive contests, went through Q school, and earned his card to play on the Mexican tour. Earlier this year, he played out in the Colorado Open. Locally, he was grinding out there trying to qualify for the Barbasol Championship and ended up being a caddy in that event, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. We have followed each other on Twitter for years, and I'm excited I get to have him with me this week on Next on the T. Hey, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, thank you for for having me. You you gave me too much credit there. That that sounds like a a more impressive resume than than what it really is. <laughs> I, I doubt that very seriously. But but Andrew, I want to start our time by going back to the beginning uh, for you. Uh, talk about growing up in rural Kentucky and the the one nine hole course that you had access to. Yeah, man. R- rural Kentucky was an awesome spot. We, you know, we moved back there from Louisville because uh, that's where all our family was. And uh, dad got me and my sister out there at a very, very early age. Uh, I remember he, he went to the high school golf coach and was like, Hey, I've got the, you know, my kids here. I'd like for them to, to play golf. And the coach was like, man, these, these kids are in like, you know, fifth grade. That's a little early, but yeah, he got us out there early. And um, yeah, it was great growing up back there. But the one thing that it didn't necessarily teach you was, kind of how to golf your your ball like the score um so that was a huge learning adjustment but uh great times you know coming from a small area as well you know you, you kind of play all the sports so didn't specialize really in one thing just got to 
get a really cool high school experience with playing football, basketball, baseball, and golf. And I read that uh, you actually made the varsity golf team as an eighth grader, which is tremendous. Yeah, yeah. We, um, I mean, we had a decent little team. Uh, some of that is it might be due to lack of participation. Um, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this little quick story because it, I mean, this a little bit, uh, well, it is cheating a little bit here. We, uh, my first golf match when the coach put me in, I was the last guy off number one and in front of our tee box, probably 15 yards is the women's tee and like this huge bush and tree. And the guy for the, the coach for the other team was legally blind. And so I like top my shot, like just pull it straight left into the, this tree. And he just walks up, gives me a pat on the back. And he said, it's okay. Just hit another one. And so I, I hit another one and like ended up shooting like a 36 that day for my first match. And so I probably shouldn't tell that story. because <laughs> you know, I, I, I hit two off the first two, but um, yeah, yeah. I got an early start there. From there, you go on to the University of Kentucky, but I'm curious, no thought of trying to walk on? Oh, Lord, no. I, I had no chance of that. Um, I, I, the only sport that I really considered playing in college was baseball. Um, you know, I had like some, I mean, very small, like NAI, D3 type things. Um, but no, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't break 80 on a consistent basis whatsoever in college. Um, me and a buddy did start the University of Kentucky club golf team. Uh, so that was, you know, that was fun. And, and we got to do a, a few tournaments there, but I think my best score was maybe like 86, 84 in one of those. So there was no chance of, of walking on it at UK. Towards the end of your time there at UK, you bought an Allstate insurance agency, becoming one of the youngest ever to do that, which is another great accomplishment away from the game of golf. But talk about doing that. Yeah, it was um, re just really good time. And we had a family friend that, that kind of introduced me to uh, a lady up here in Lexington that was selling her agency. and um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do after college. So that kind of just presented itself. And um, that was actually really the first job that I had other than, you know, umpiring Little League in, in the summers. Uh, so a huge learning curve trying to, you know, run a business, have employees, hire, fire people, train people. Um, so definitely made a ton of mistakes there. But, uh, yeah, just a, a, a huge learning curve and a really great experience. I mean, I, there's nothing else I could have done at 23, 24 to learn those life lessons and um, and learn the way I did. You later became a caretaker for a couple of wonderful autistic boys that are a part of a large family. Talk about the decision to go that route in the family that you got to work with. So I had a roommate at the time, his, his wife, well, fiance at the time, she was a uh, behavioral therapist and I just got out of Allstate. I was trying to find some, you know, different on end gigs, uh, to, to make a little bit of money while I was trying to play or practice. So she introduced me to this website that basically just like house it or, you know, do stuff, you know, dog walk, whatever. Um, and the boy's parents found the mom found me on there and sent me a message. And uh, I had no idea what I was getting into, man. I, I showed up for the interview and um, they, the one boy, he came in and, you know, kind of had a little bit of an outburst because his dad was getting home from a, from a business meeting. So, you know, he's just excited to see, see his dad. Uh, so I remember coming home and, and telling uh, my wife, like just kind of about the situation. And she's like, Andrew, there's no way you can do this. Like 
you, you know, you were nowhere near prepared enough or, you know, th- this is probably just not a great idea. Um, but they were super patient with me and did a great job training. And yeah, that's been an awesome relationship. I mean, we, we still talk with one another and, um, the, the other brother, he actually stayed overnight at our house for a couple of nights, uh, recently. The parents were out of town and they needed some help with, you know, getting them back and forth to work and, and a place to stay. So that's been an awesome relationship. And, um, uh, just really thankful that that presented itself at that point in time in my life. Andrew, not many players make the decision to turn pro late in their 20s. So when did the bug to go pro actually come back and and hit you? Probably right towards the end of, close to the end of my All-State career. Um, I I had a coworker that that got me to play in more tournaments. And again, it's not that I had success per se. It's just, I don't know. Sometimes I get crazy thoughts and go after things that I'm unqualified for. And this is, this is probably one of them, but um, yeah, I just decided like, Hey, I want to pursue this and, you know, practice at it. And um, there was, I was very naive thinking that, you know, you can make that big of a jump because it's, I mean, the, the talent level is just so crazy good, but um, yeah, probably towards the end of my all-state career. And like I said, just spent a couple of years, you know, practicing and trying to get to a, a decent competitive level. Um, while holding, you know, a few on end jobs, I've, I've done just about everything along the way, uh, to, to try to make that happen. So yeah, it's, it, it's kind of been a, a wild process. When I promoted that you were going to be coming on the show, our mutual good friend, Matthew Lawrence posted that he taught you everything, you know, <laughs> and I, and I don't know if, if he's told you the story, but Matthew is a hall of fame air guitar player. That's how he landed the role Salamato in the, Eddie in the Cruisers movie. I hear he may be an all-time great practice swing golfer, but I don't know. What what, what could Matthew have taught you? Yes, I, I would agree with that uh, Hall of Fame practice swing. He, he's also, a, he might be a Hall of Fame, uh, you know, trash talker out there on the course. <laughs> you, you know, thinking that he, that he can hit some of the shots. I, he was telling us, you know, I'm a great putter. Like Sometimes I don't hit great shots, but I'm always a great putter. And I, we gave him such a hard time. I don't think he hit one putt for us that day. And I mean, he went first too. So he was getting, <laughs> he was getting tough putts, but we, we gave him a hard time for that. No, he hit a couple of good shots. And, um, yeah, Matthew was, was awesome hanging around. That was the first time I really got to meet him and talk to him in person, but, um, really super, super duper guy. Um, but that was a really, really good time getting to hang out with him and, and playing that, uh, that media day scramble. And you guys won, right? We did, yes. Now we had some, uh, we had some help. We had a, one of the girls on our team. She was the state open champion. So she, uh, we used a lot of her shots and we, we did use one or two of Matthews. I, I will admit, but yeah, we, <laughs> we won. Uh, the, the running joke is I stayed around. Everybody else had to leave and we got four little, little bottles of bourbon and Matthew likes to, to remind me that I haven't given him his bottle yet. So <laughs> he's all, all the time joking with me on that. And you got the caddy. At the Barbasol Championship, how'd you go from trying to qualify to get in the tournament to actually being a caddy in the tournament proper? So I had messaged, or you know, I'm a member out at the course that they, that hosts the Barbasol. So I had told some of the guys after I, you know, didn't qualify, hey, if anybody needs a bag, yeah, I'd I, I love to caddy. And uh, Wednesday morning, well, it was like I don't know, five thirty a.m. Like I was up with the kiddos, and one of the guys had texted me, he's like, hey, if you can get over here in the next thirty minutes. One of our guys, you know, his caddy got sick or something or another. 
So he needed somebody to caddy for the pro-am. So I was like, all right, I'm on my way. So, uh, yeah, I just got to meet the guy Wednesday and caddy for him. And he, he was super. He, he was, you couldn't really ask for a better guy to, to make a caddy debut for because he didn't really have, he didn't ask me a lot of questions. I didn't have to give a lot of input. Um, you know, you know, he, he's been doing this for a long time traveling in, in Europe and, uh, over here as well. So, I mean, he, he doesn't have a full-time caddy, so he's had to rely on himself. Um, so that, that made it pretty nice on my part. There weren't, there weren't too many mistakes other than dropping the towel every other hole or, you know, forget, you know, forgetting small things. So that, that was a really cool experience. Just getting to be inside the ropes and watching the decision making process and just talking with him about, you know, why he did this or why he did that and seeing some of the shots he, he hit. You know, I, we were on hole, um, hole four out there at champions and he hit a ball left in the fairway and left is kind of dead. This whole stick rough. Over water onto the green, and I could, I remember thinking, man, this is this is not a good situation. Like there's there's a lot of bad things that can happen from here. And he opened up a wedge and hit a shot to like two feet and tapped it in. And like wow. later that day, I was just like, dude, what were you thinking on that shot? Because like I've had that many a time, and I'm just praying I get it over the water and stop it short of the bunkers. Like anywhere on the green, I would be tickled pink with. And he just like knocked it stiff. So it was really cool from a player's perspective too to get to see that and the decisions and just how they managed the course. Speaking of being inside the ropes, you played in the Colorado Open and had a really good tournament. Talk about your experience there. Yeah, um, last it was kind of kind of crazy last year. I, I didn't really play that well, and then um, went to Q School for the Mexican Tour, played good, and just drove up. To, to Denver to try to qualify for that Colorado Open, got in, and you know the next week when I flew back out, I you know, played good again. So it, it was kind of just a, a good stretch of golf, and uh, got to meet Ryan French out there. It was it was kind of a good time. We'd actually spoke a few years ago, just about the Barbasol and, and some items. So I was just hitting bunker shots. Um, they were out there as well, so I, I introduced myself, and yeah, he's been super super kind to me, and um, kind of put my story out there but yeah colorado was an awesome experience it, it was funny I, I i texted my my dad when i got out there this year and i was like it just felt like home i guess because i played well last year but um just a super super great experience that's what, i mean the biggest tournament i've played in probably um and they do a great job out there making you feel like it's yeah i mean it is a big event but they they do it right and, um yeah really treat the players well and, yeah it's a it's a really really great event you mentioned uh, qualifying for the Mexican tour. You went, you went down there. You went through that Q school and you qualified. That's a heck of an achievement. Yeah, that was um, the first time I've I, I played well in different qualifiers, but never like a full event. Uh, it seems to be like you know always the back nine on the last day, or you know, just there's some stretch of golf that kind of knocks me out of it. Um, so that was really nice to get some kind of status to where I could, could travel and play uh, and just you know really feel better at where my golf game was. Um, so that, that, yeah, that was, that was really great. The, I was not prepared for the travel in Mexico. Like I probably should have been, I don't know very much Spanish. Um, so, so getting around down there was a little bit different. And as my wife would tell you, I'm very, very bad at planning things out. Um, there's been at least one occasion where I, you know, would make a, make a flight and make plans and then get down there and 
not not really have any plans. Just kind of figured it out once I got down there. Um, so that's usually not the best way to go about it. But um, really cool experience getting to go down there and, and, and play a few events. And yeah, that was that was a great stretch of golf last year where, where I qualified there in Colorado. You recently started uh, a gig for TrackMan Golf. Talk about getting involved on the data and technology side of the game. Yeah, so good friend of mine and, and uh, coach that I've worked with for a long time, Larry Ward here in Lexington. Um, he, he's been absolutely awesome to me, and you know we've talked a lot this year just about where I am with life and you know golf and everything else. So um, as this season kind of came to an end, I, I kind of thought maybe just getting into coaching or doing something at the academy. You know, I felt like I, I've been doing this for a little while. I've got a lot of experience and you know some some knowledge. So I'd like to put it to use. So I went to Larry and, and talked about it. And he was like, Hey, Trackman's got this opening, you know, for Kentucky. I think that you would be a good fit with your, your sales background and golf knowledge. So he made the introduction, got me in the door and I started, uh, yeah, in September. It's been awesome. The guys there have been, been great to me. It's, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. I don't think I fully appreciated how much Trackman does and the, uh, the depth to, you know, our technology and the stuff that we offer. Um, and just how much the reps do, but yeah, it, it's been, it's been awesome so far. And, you know, I, I kind of came on board, you know, we hadn't released a new product in gosh, seven, eight years when the TrackMan 4 came out. And my first day on the job was our sales meeting and we got new, uh, we got new shirts and we unleashed a new product. So one of the guys was like, man, your first day and, and we, you know, we're unleashing a product that we haven't done in eight years. So it was a really, really cool time to start with TrackMan. So are you looking forward to 2030 when you get to show all of us our numbers are now 10% lower than they used to be? That'll definitely be interesting. I, I'm curious to see. I'm sure ball companies will, will figure out a way to, you know, make it to where you're not losing as much distance or, you know, it depends on the your, your swing speed, whatever. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see, like, how do we calculate that? You know, like are all the practice balls that we're we're hitting are are they going to be you know equivalent to to a ball that you're playing? I just think that that'll be an interesting process and figuring out how to measure that um, or if there's a difference, you know, you know, will be will be interesting. So I got to ask you, as a Kentucky alumni, how do you feel about TrackMan Orange and Tennessee Volunteer uh, Orange being the same? You've probably seen one of my tweets then. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I tweeted that out like I'm not I'm not an orange fan, you know, with uh, yeah Tennessee and Kentucky, but um, I'm telling myself that Trapman orange is a different shape. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. I feel like it's a little bit darker. Maybe it's got some like Texas in it, or you know, just a little bit more red. I don't, whatever it is, but yeah, I'm 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 bleeding orange now. So, I, but I'm, uh, I'm I'm telling myself that there's a little bit of a difference in the in the color for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Andrew, I got to get your thoughts on uh, on what's going on around the game of golf right now. It just it feels like we're a mess. It feels like the the game at the pro level is a mess with Rom going over to live and the PIF and the PGA Tour and is is that partnership going to going to come together? Sponsors leaving the tour because they can no longer afford to pay the increase uh, in the purses that we're seeing. We we mentioned the the golf ball getting rolled back. I, I, from a, you're a pro. When you look at what's going on around the professional game, are you scratching your head? What are your thoughts? 
whatever your opinion is, it's liable to change in a matter of 24 hours, you know, because there may be something new that comes out or, you know, the PGA partnering with PIF or, yeah, there's just, it, it seems like it's in a constant whirlwind. Um, I think originally I, my personal opinion was I was a fan of live strictly from the standpoint of, I thought it opened up more spots for, for people to play and opened up more opportunities for you know guys to make a living. And I think that it it had some positive impacts on the PGA Tour or Corn Ferry, you know, increased purse sizes. I just think that the, it was it was highlighting some things that the PGA Tour could do better. Now I am not, I like I, I'm not a fan whatsoever anymore. I, I think that it's gotten just so out of hand with with the money and and uh, who they're taking and um, you know, there's no way for the PGA Tour to, to keep up, like you said, with the the sponsorships. There's no way. I mean, people can do that. Um, but I think it's important to to know too that you know pro golf isn't real golf if that makes sense like what keeps golf going is not necessarily the professional game it's the you know guys playing you know weeknights in the league or you know the weekend whatever um so while that while the professional game I feel like is in a whirlwind or going absolutely you know crazy and bonkers right now, I think that the game of golf is in a really really great spot um so I think it's kind of important to to make that distinction, you know, that that there's a difference there. Andrew, just a couple more before I let you go. You mentioned that you're a member out there at Champions in Lexington, Kentucky. Talk about some of the other local courses that you're a fan of. Well, I'm, I got a, I'm a fan of all the ones here in Lexington. I honestly think that we're kind of spoiled as Kentuckians that we we've got access to a lot of really good courses. Um, Valhalla is obviously a great one. I, I remember the first time I ever went out there being just like so giddy with the practice facilities. Um, you know, cause a small town kid from rural Kentucky, that, that was kind of the, you know, the, the, the top tier place that we'd always heard of, you know, um, Valhalla. Uh, I'll put a plug in for Old Stone down in Bowling Green as well. They actually just got on our, uh, the Trackman course list. So if you got a Trackman, make sure you got it updated because Old Stone is on there now. Uh, that's a, that's a great facility. I'll put a plug in for a few small ones that people probably have never heard of. Um, there's a club down where I grew up called Shady Hollow. Unbelievable. Tons of character. Um, just kind of nestled down in, in a holler. And, uh, it's a, it's a really, really cool spot. We, we've got a lot of great courses here in Kentucky. Um, and I'll also say that about Cincinnati, you know, but before I started with Trackman, I don't think I appreciated how many good courses are in the Cincinnati area and Dayton? Like Dayton is a hotbed for for some good golf, and I had no clue about it until I started with Trackman and started visiting uh, some of the courses up there: NCR, Moraine, Country Club of the North, um, Dayton. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of good golf around here. Andrew, you've got two young children, so I know Santa's loading up his sleigh for his stop at your house on Christmas Eve. But what are you hoping Santa leaves under the tree for you? Yes, we are, we are absolutely loading up on Christmas this year. Uh, the grandparents and, and everybody, we're, we're loading up. Uh, really, I've only, I think I may have only put a couple things on the Christmas list anymore. Maybe this is a sign of me getting old. I used to like think that my uncles and dad were playing for you know, getting a shirt for Christmas or hammers or drills or whatever. Uh, but that seems to be what, what I'm putting on my list nowadays. I did put a, uh, a golf item on there. Uh, I'm 100% bought into these lab putters. I, I tried one out. I'm convinced. 
I love them. So I threw that on the Christmas wish list. Uh, but that, I mean, that's, that's about it. Other than little, you know, lame things that, you know, stuff around the house or pools or, or items like that. So I, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, fun Christmas things. Andrew, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can we follow you? How can we stay up to date with all the great things that you're achieving over the course of your career and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I was trying to think what my Instagram handle is when you, when you were mentioning that. Um, but yeah, I'm all, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram. My Instagram is, um, a, is it AB Struther? I oh, know it's Struther 30. Sorry. I should probably know that. Uh, Struther 30 on Instagram. Um, AB Struther, uh, with, with Twitter. I think it is what I have there. I should probably it is. Yeah. Yeah. AB Struther on Twitter. Um, I do a decent job on Twitter. I don't post a whole lot on Instagram or, or Facebook, but, um, I'm definitely active on Twitter. So I need to start sharing a little bit more TrackMan stuff. So you'll, you'll be seeing a lot of installs and, uh, pictures and stuff coming, coming from me here, here soon. Well, Andrew, I hope Santa brings you exactly what you're wishing for. I wish you. A Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your family. I can't thank you enough for coming and being a part of this show. It's been fun following you on Twitter, but uh, I hope we get this privilege again, having you back on the show again sometime soon in 24. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, and, and thanks for uh, thanks for the support and always giving me some shout-outs. I, I appreciate, appreciate all you do. Well, I appreciate you. Andrew, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, take care. Have a, have a good holiday. You yeah. too. Folks, that is Andrew Struther at AB Struther is where you can find him on Twitter, Struther30 on Instagram. One of the really great people in our game. I'm rooting hard for him as he plays out on whether it's in Mexico or wherever he is trying to qualify. Rooting hard for him is just one of the great people that you get to meet along the way in our game. Hopefully he gets some sponsors, exemptions, gets opportunities to play around our country as well. And plus, if you're in the Lexington area, go see him. Get your numbers. Get fit for the right clubs. Uh, we'll be checking in with him periodically throughout 2024. And if Matthew Lawrence teaches you everything he, that you need to know, boy, it doesn't get better than that, right? Look, Matthew is one of the great people that uh, I've gotten to meet through the course of this show. And uh, I'm sure he has done a great job teaching Andrew everything he needs to know. So uh, we'll find out from Matthew about Andrew as well. But uh Andrew, a great guy, a great follow on social media, and someone that uh, we'll have back as part of the show. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf. Game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Tom Patry, Tom Wildenhouse, Nancy Corsolino, and Andrew Struther for joining me this week. And as you heard in the first segment, Tom Patry, next week is going to be the last show of this season. So and it's always a very special one for me. I always want to leave you with some great people and great voices to end this season. And that's why next week I'm going to lead off with our wonderful friend, speaking of Matthew Lawrence, his brother Mitch Lawrence is going to be with me. Mitch is so great. There aren't enough adjectives to describe how wonderful Mitch is and both the Lawrence brothers for that matter. So 
Really looking forward to having Mitch back as part of the show. Following him will be the former president of HBO Sports and a guy who's won just about every award there is to win for sports documentaries and films. Ross Greenberg is going to be back with me. Always a great time having Ross as part of the show. So many great stories that he's had over the course of his wonderful career. Former PGA Tour pro David Peoples will be with me. Looking forward to having David as part of the show. A wonderful player back in the day out on the PGA Tour. And then another one of my all-time favorite guests and favorite people on the planet as well, Charlie Reimer, will be back with us. Always fun having Charlie as part of the show. Always leaves us laughing and also with some great stories as well. So looking forward to having Charlie back as part of the show. So it's going to be a great one, folks. I hope you'll tune in and take the journey with me next week. You can find this show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on TribLive.com and a part of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review site. Just go online to TribLive.com, click on Sports, and then Podcasts, and you're going to find this show front and center available for you free there. You can also find the show out on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audio Boom, and Player.fm. And as always, my sincere thanks to the folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts and a staff pick. Please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast on your favorite device. But most of all, my thanks to all of you for continuing to be the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.